welcome to the Chicago Justice Podcast. I'm your host, Tracy Siska. I'm also executive director of the Chicago Justice Project. Find out more about what we do at chicagojustice.org or get involved at cjpnation.org. Thank you so much for being here today. Really appreciate it. So what are we covering today? Segment one is going to be about Greg Hines' latest contribution to the I Know It All-ism Chicago. Greg Hines, a columnist at Crane Chicago Business, and he writes a column, and then we have a little bit of a Twitter discussion you can get your hands on uh, about how Chicago needs more police, but he can't exactly say why or how many police Chicago needs. And then in segment two, we feature a interview with 32nd Ward Alderman Scott Wagaspak on the Park District scandal. I don't know if to call to us if I should call it a sexual harassment scandal or a sexual assault scandal, or a rape scandal, or a Chicago clout scandal, but we're going to talk all about that. It's really very, very sad. Okay, coming up quickly over the next few weeks, we have next week, 15th Ward Alderman Raymond Lopez talking about crime and violence the week, the Wednesday after. We feature an interview with Albert Fox Khan from the Surveillance Technology and Oversight Project at NYU Law School talking about uh, New York Police Department surveillance capabilities and the reasons to stop them. And we're hopefully going to feature a discussion with Olivia Farrell, I believe I'm pronouncing that right, from the network, uh, formerly called, I believe, the Chicago Metropolitan Battered Women's Network, to talk about domestic violence. And then the Wednesday after that, we're going to be talking to Todd Clare, Professor Emeritus, I believe, at Rutgers University, discussing crime and violence and basically what is seeming like the tendency in America to slip back to lock them all up politics and criminal justice practices and policies. And we have a special podcast because we're going to be dropping our podcast every Wednesday. We have a special one coming up this Monday on January 17th. We feature an interview with Catherine Large from the University of Chicago. She's an intern at the Chicago Justice Project, but she also just authored her report Transparency and Accountability of the CPD, 1980 to 2021. That is out on our website now. Go get it. It's in the main feature on our homepage. You can click on it, read it. It is an excellent read. That interview, again, is coming up on Monday, 117, this coming Monday. That will drop. Okay, let's go to the first segment for today. I come from Greg Hines at Crane Chicago Business. Here's one reason for rising crime. Subtitle, staffing is down at police stations across the city. Well, yes, it is, Greg. So what does that mean? Right? Has no idea. How many cops should we have? How many cops should the department have? How many cops should each district have? No idea. But he knows we need more. Wonderful. This is where we get to, I know it all is home. Embedded in this fundamental belief about us needing more cops is this belief that cops significantly contribute or are the only main contributors to reductions in crime and violence. Ask the pro-police, we need more police people to prove that, they can't. They just know it. Sounds very Trumpian, doesn't it? So my question is, if the cops aren't responsible, although they are slightly, but they're not the main drivers, of creating the social conditions in communities in Chicago and the South and West Sides that drive crime and violence. Why are they the solution to those social conditions? 
We've experienced crime reductions over the last 30 years. And they've had little to do with police, but it hasn't stopped the police and politicians from boasting about it. Every chance they get, they can't wait to jump in front of a herd of cameras and talk about the crime and violence reductions and while they're responsible. And also, let's face it, most elites don't want to have to invest in the communities on the south and west side, and they certainly don't want to invest in them in the ways they would have to invest in them to actually make a difference on crime and violence. Heinz comments are universal among the Hire More Cops crowd, Alderman Lopez, which we feature a discussion with next week on the pod, Paul Ballas, Superintendent Brown, um, Alderman Napolitano, Alderman uh, Spizzato. I mean, it's universal. And you get it, it's all assumptions and there's no facts in it. We have just been trained in America to believe that more cops equals violence and crime reductions. It doesn't. They look at Lopez, all of them, Heinz included. They look at policing staff numbers, the budgeted number for police back in 2011 and before that. They believe that's the number we need somehow. Ask them how it's generated, they have no idea. How was it generated? I do know. It was generated between Superintendent Phil Klein and Alderman in backdoor, I shouldn't say backdoor, but closed door meetings. And it was a politically negotiated number. Had nothing to do with facts whatsoever. But none of these people care. They just assume that somehow that number was given by God and it can't be touched. It's not, it's a political number. The CPD doesn't do staffing reports, staffing analyses to prove how many cops they need. They should. We're going to be featuring in not too distant future. Um, the University of Chicago Crime Lab has done some work on that recently. We have FOIAed materials from the CPD, so we have a little bit of that. They've opened, but um, hey, if you know a lawyer, let us know. We're looking to sue the CPD for that FOIA violations and others because they refuse to give us the data they gave to the crime lab. It's not that difficult of a thing to do. I'm not sure why there's so such hand-wringing at the department to do it. We know that police unions, the FOP, the Fraternal Police, have no desire to have one done because they're worried about what it's going to show. So all of this is just, I know what all is on. Term coined by me on the show and on the pod, we absolutely know what we need. Don't question it. The answer is obvious. But please, whatever you do, don't ask me to prove it. If you go and read Greg Hines' column, it's, it's, it's a regurgitation of stuff that's been in his columns before, that um, been in 100 news articles before. There's really nothing new in it. It was incredibly lazy, but he just assumed, I think, probably rightly, that everyone that's reading Cranes is just going to believe anything he says. They all agree on it. Ask them all to prove it. They can't, but they all agree on it. And they have no idea what bringing extra cops on costs, and they can't prove the benefit of them. Why should we spend, like when Ron in 2016 pledged to hire a thousand more police officers, we did an analysis. You're talking adding a thousand cops to the police department just over the first 10 years at that point was a little over a billion dollars. And they've gotten, I think the time we looked, actually, we didn't look when Ron did, we did, did in the early to mid, 
I mean, 2012, 13, at that point, it was a billion. And since then, they've had two contract negotiations and two raises. So those costs have actually gone up. But this, I know what all is in crowd in Chicago. They don't care how much money you have to throw at the cops. Just keep throwing it. Um, I did an interview with w, uh, someone from WBBM Radio and, and Audacity or something who owns WBBM Radio yesterday. And I was talking you know, about the fact that the main reason we are stuck in this cycle is we have politicians who don't want to take responsibility for the circumstances in these communities that they've helped create. Any alderman that voted for the parking meters has some responsibility in creating those circumstances in these communities. Any alderman that's voted for the closing of the mental health clinics, the closing of the 50 schools in these same communities, that's voted for any tax increment financing district to be created, you're all responsible. Those are all major things. And then there's probably 10,000 other smaller votes we could look at that have helped create those circumstances. It's just reality. And those politicians don't want to be held politically accountable or accountable whatsoever. So then they point and say, it's all the police's fault. They didn't create the circumstances how they're supposed to solve them. The reality is the politicians don't care. They just want to skirt responsibility. Now we're going to turn to an interview we did with 32nd Ward Alderman Scott Wagaspak. Runs about 35 minutes. It is featuring a discussion on the Chicago Park District sexual assault, sexual harassment, rape scandal. He dropped some uh, insider information about what he was told at some meetings from the Park District leadership that should disgust us all. Once again, I know this, the Cook County State's Attorney's Office is looking at sexual assault charges and has charged one or two individuals. They need to start charging the board and the head of the Park District for allowing it to happen. 32nd Ward Alderman Scott Wagaspak, thank you so much for jumping on the pod. I really appreciate you being here. Hey, Tracy. Thanks for having me. All right. So we're going to talk about the Park District. But before we get into the nuts and bolts of what Dan Milohopoulos unveiled and our um, revulsion at what he uncovered and everything that happened, can you explain like the fundamental setup, not how it actually works, but the fundamental setup with the Park District? Is it complete? Is it Theoretically, they're supposed to be completely independent of the city council and the mayor. Like, how is that setup work? Because at some point during this horrific affair, it came out, well, they're like independent of us, of the political structure. So how is that actually um, set up to work? Well, like a lot of these sister agencies, it is actually independent. Um, the mayor does appoint the uh, superintendent. They don't appoint, or she makes a recommendation to the superintendent for appointment through the board. Uh, and, and the board, you know, is essentially made up of, uh, I think it's um, seven members, and that board is actually uh, created under state law. So the state law dictates what happens with our Chicago Park District board. And that was an interesting thing that, um, as I kind of did a deep dive into this and, and talked to Dan Mehalopoulos about this big story, um, a lot of people were saying, why doesn't the mayor just outright fire Mike Kelly? Um, why doesn't the board get completely fired? And there were a lot of issues like that that I was trying to figure out too, but we actually went into um, look and, and you know made sure that we were doing the right thing, but it was um, it is a state uh, created board. Um, and I'm not sure all of them are. I think it's certain size municipalities in Illinois. 
um, but they are they operate under the state uh, parks law. So, Mike, I'm wondering if this is like the police board. I know the police board is not really independent, but there's this idea that the the police board, the city council are going to find their own people to be on it, and you know, mayor's not going to yeah. be that involved, but she end up is involved. So, you've been in office, God, 14 years. Here, I looked it up. You got in office yes. May of 2007. I started CJP in February of 2007. So, wow, it's a long time. So, how does it? But so, does it actually practically function? though? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, does it actually function completely independent of the power structure, the political power structures in the city in your time? No, actually, it, so it doesn't. Um, and that's that's where things kind of get sticky and uh, kind of merge together. So. You know, in years past, we saw that if a mayor came in and they wanted to get rid of the superintendent or director of some, you know, sister agency, they would just come in and say, hey, you're out. My new person is in. Um, in this situation, there's a few different things here. Avis Lavelle had been part of the, uh, she's the president of the board, you know, and she goes back to the daily years. Um, so she's kind of operating the whole thing. Then you've got Mike Kelly who was appointed by Rahm Emanuel, but you know, his ties go way back to the Daily Machine or the Joyce Machine, I'm not really sure exactly who. Um, and he got a contract. And if you recall, and you can go look this up, he got a long-term contract from Rahm Emanuel with a pretty significant pay. And there was a controversy a few years ago where um, I think it was the uh, Mayor Lightfoot came in, was looking at his contract, and he had a clause in there that basically said, you can't fire me. Um, literally just, you can't fire me. Um, I'm here. It, it was almost like a lifetime appointment type thing. Um, but when, when we look at these different sister agencies, a mayor can typically come in and, and make some of those changes. Uh, you know, the park district, there's, there's other aspects of this where the park district always comes to the city for funding for rehabilitation of parks or to create new parks. They go to the city and they say, we need TIF funding. Um, they come to the alderman, if you want to rehab a park, uh, the park district doesn't, you know, if a park's been sitting there 20 years and completely broken down kids equipment, playground equipment, they essentially come to us and say, um, we need half or a third of your infrastructure menu fund, the annual fund that we get of $1.3 million as alderman to fix roads and lights and, you know, sewers and stuff. And they say, hey, we need that funding as well. So there's a lot of um, intertwined uh, financial issues there too. And they come to the committee on finance and ask for that funds, or they come to individual augments. So it's not like they're uh, op uh, uh, you know, operating completely independent. And um, they're very reliant on the city council and on the mayor for a lot of things to get, that they need to get done. I'm not going to go over all the things that Dan uncovered about what happened um, to the. I don't think we'd uh, have, we wouldn't have time in this show to do that. No, it's just. And it goes much deeper than Dan covered too. There's a lot of stuff Dan and I have talked about that I feel as an alderman or just a, a city leader needs to change as well. Yeah, it's unbelievable. So I'm going to just read a couple paragraphs here quick to give you a taste of what these women had to endure and young girls, I'm gonna say, because I'm old, so 16, 17, 18 seems pretty young to me. Um, so one of two whistleblowers who told the mayor's office she had been sexually assaulted by a more senior employee 
when she was 17, alleged a huge incident of sexual violence within the park district. And she said she believed there was little support from parks officials for those who report the problems. Wow, you would figure we're back in 1980 and not in the Me Too movement era. Last month, investigators with the Inspector General's office, this is in uh, April of this year, uh, reported to the Park District's board, who, by the way, didn't know the investigation was going on, and two of its top officials that one veteran lifeguard likely committed criminal sexual assault, aggravated criminal sexual abuse in 2018 when he forced the 16-year-old female lifeguard to perform a sex act on him. And then one last one. In another case, investigators concluded that the Aquatics Department employee sexually harassed two junior female lifeguards and later sexually attacked each of them in a public swimming pool locker room. Okay, Scott, Alderman Wagas back. What was your initial feeling when this first Milahopolis story broke? Well, pretty much disgust. Um, you know, these people are the ones who are tasked with protecting these young lifeguards, but not only the lifeguards, but all the children that visit our pools and aquatic centers. So when I started hearing about this, um, not just the, the hazing, um, for the one individual, but Dan's story started, you know, he was talking to people going back 30 years who had been abused or assaulted or uh, with that toxic environment had felt um, at a minimum uncomfortable, at a minimum. So, uh, you know, Dan and I started talking. Um, I think he was sort of saying, you know, what are you guys doing as city officials to kind of tackle this issue? And um, I just started asking questions, you know, based on his reporting, you know, if it wasn't his for his reporting, I, I don't think we would really know this because most women in the park district, with the exception of a few people, um, are in fear of reporting any of this. And I can tell you why they're in fear of reporting, because if you look at the uh, Department of Human Resources policy and procedure manual, and if you look at the sexual harassment policy for the park district, if you make any kind of accusation against someone, and we know how uh, the park district, just like every sister agency in the city, is full of people that have been there for decades. You know, it's kind of a, in, we know it's an incestuous thing here was with the park district. Um, you're basically in fear of losing your job too. And then being accused of um, making false allegations and you can be fired. So a lot of these women were in fear of losing their job, being a sec, uh, by the policy manuals, by higher ups, or in fear of um, losing their job or being assaulted even further by their supervisors. So they were put in a toxic situation that they, there was no spinning out of unless they completely left something that they loved doing, which was protecting swimmers and helping children. One of the things this story has brought up, we need, and this is across the board for everything, but we need much more, we need much stronger legislation with felony prosecution for public officials who ignore or fail to act on these things. Not you're gonna lose your job, not you're gonna get fired, you're going to lose your freedom. I yes. encourage everyone to read this, everyone who cares about humanity, read Dan's stories and just get just as pissed as I am because I had to read them again for doing this. And you would think you're in 1980 or this is 1950s America. This isn't 2000 or 2020. It's just mind-boggling. So here's another piece of the article. The investigation already dragged on for more than a year, hampered by what the Inspector General's report called a dart of Park District resources. Until now, the probe had con 
to continue in secret, even as the park district is again taking job applications from new groups of summer lifeguards. Why do you think, I just want your opinion on this, why do you think the Park District Board and its leadership, uh, and Kelly, Mark, uh, Michael Kelly is one of them, but Avis Lavelle, who's the board president, and why do you think that whole infrastructure just failed so badly? Is this just, this is how it's always been done. We don't care about women. We're covering up for our buddies. This will look bad. What the hell were they, why? I think there, there's a lot of that, the cover-up. I mean, I've called it a cover-up in, in much of my commentary on it uh, over the last several months. Um, I think, you know, there's, there's a lack of accountability when you cover it up. There, um, you know, you don't have to be responsible for things. You're protecting people that have been in place for many decades. We know that um, the head of aquatics and pools um, had committed some of these acts decades earlier, at least we, uh, it's alleged that he had. Um, we're talking about, uh, you know, people who could not grasp what the, the reality was. You had mentioned the Me Too movement. Um, and I don't even know if it took that for most of us to realize, like this is just wrong behavior um, by the individuals who are committing the acts, but also all the way up to the top with the, uh, president and the superintendent who uh, were covering it up to make sure that they were protected because they knew what was going on. Um, you know, and, and I was in a meeting with Avis Lavelle, uh, Alderman Michelle Smith was there. There were several people in the, in the meeting that we called with uh, Mike Kelly and Avis Lavelle. And, you know, uh, at the time, I really didn't know a heck of a whole lot about what was going on. I was reading the reporting from Dan Mahalopoulos, which by the way, you know, um, he has done phenomenal work on this. He was very dogged on it. Um, I think without him pushing very hard because most of the other media did not, nobody wanted to talk about it until the whole, you know, the whole thing was really out there. No other alderman wanted to talk about it. Um, but I went into that meeting and what I was hearing was essentially, you know, we're doing everything we can to put an end to this. You know, nobody knew this was going on. Nobody could have ever thought that girls would be raped, assaulted, or harassed, that there was a toxic environment. And there was a complete denial by these two individuals at the top. Um, I think as the story broke and we realized, you know, through some emails and some comments that were made, they knew a lot more going a lot further back, way back into 2019. And, um, not to get too far ahead, but the, the Valerie Hayes report, um, which people can look up, you know, covered some of those emails and some of the communications um, between the top officials, but she didn't have subpoena power when she did her independent investigation. So she only looked at a few emails. She did not dig into the communications that were going between the superintendent, the president, and some of these supervisors who committed the acts or covered up the acts, the enablers. And we're talking dozens of people. We're talking the law department, the HR people. You had mentioned, you know, what's their responsibility? Um, should those people um, not only be fired, but held to a greater uh, level of accountability? I think they should. But what they did was they kept covering up all their tracks, claim that they never knew anything, and in the meeting that I had with Mike Kelly, Mike Kelly said, 
you know, we're going to look back and, and realize we just went over the top that we did, you know, kind of a too much um, uh, dealing with this issue. And Avis Lavelle looked at me and said, you know, this is just a bunch of sour grapes by people. This is, um, you know, people who uh, are coming out with this stuff. It's, it's um, disenchantment by some staff. And I was appalled when I heard that, absolutely appalled. And at that point, I realized, um, you know, this is a cover up and we need to do everything we can to go after these people and get them fired because the only, the only way to get this done was to see them off into the sunset um, and hopefully bring in, which we have the state's attorney to sex crimes unit to uh, investigate this as well. 2021 and you have women in power taking allegations about from other women being sexually harassed and sexually assaulted and raped and calling it sour grapes if that isn't buying into your own repression i don't know what is and it's a thing you know we talked a lot about this in grad school we talk about the first diversifying things and when the reason we need to diversify the police department and get more women is because the women will will understand the rape victim more, the female rape victim more. Well, it turns out that doesn't really play. You get in the department, you're blue, you're not a man or a woman. It usually doesn't make a difference. Here's Ava Silval, incredibly powerful. And I'm going to tell you how powerful when I read her little bio here. But look yeah. at what she said to you. Like, what, what made, besides that, we're just women deserve to be in positions of power just as much as men. Like, if you're talking about diversity, wow, if we only had a board president that was a woman and she heard about this, she would make sure they took these allegations seriously. You know, and it's not just, it's not just Chicago. If you look at the NWSL, uh, there were two women board members, uh, and I believe the president, that's the National Women's Soccer League. They had a, a cover-up. Their cover-up lasted all of a, a week or two when uh, the board, two of the board members did not forward those letters of allegations of abuse from the soccer players immediately they were pushed out of their board and told, you know, go away because they waited, um, I think it was less than two weeks to, to forward on or, or address those allegations. Here we're talking two years. Right. Everyone just so you know, we know the early stories where Mike Kelly superintendent gets a complaint from one of the female victims. He sits on it for six weeks and doesn't forward it to the inspector general for investigation until Mayor Lightfoot got a letter from that same, I think a different victim that said, and she forwarded it to him or Avis DeVal and I forwarded it to him. And then at that point, he felt compelled to send it to the IG. To me, right. Mr. Kelly, you have committed a felony. That should be a felony. Your family well, actually, that should be a felony. Yeah. And we know from the latest report from Dan Melopoulos at BEZ, WBEZ, that it actually went even six months prior to that, where he was contacted by that individual's parents. So we're actually talking two years. Um, and that, that was what was phenomenal to me that um, he did a very good job of covering this up. And, it, you know, I tried, you know, he's a leader of uh, one of the largest park districts in the United States. He was the president, I believe, of the National Park Association, he had, um, which once he got fired here, he had to resign from that as well. Um, so this was pretty impactful. Uh, you know, and I think that's why a lot of people were sort of Boy, you're going out on a limb and making these accusations, but um, not, you know, for me, it, it was hard, but it wasn't uh, when you're fighting for these women's rights who 
have been going on for not only months and years, but we also have to look too that we have charges filed against uh, at least one individual, uh, Mauricio Ramirez, um, who was charged twice, I think, in the last um, October it was, or this October. So now we have definitive proof that people were abused um, by this person being charged and, and taken in to, to, in front of a judge. I don't understand, like how many more women during that two-year period that Mike Kelly and these people were covering this up, how many more women were assaulted? First of all, how many women that had previously been assaulted got continued to be assaulted? And then yeah. how many new people were assaulted and continued to be assaulted over those two years? How you don't, if you're Mike Kelly in a position of power, immediately send this to the IG and send us and do something impactful so the perpetrators know shit's coming down to stop the offending. I don't know. It's unconscionable to me. Um, I would love to see him behind bars. I'd love to go visit him behind bars. Um, all right, so I want to give my audience a, here's a little summary of um, her background, Avis Lavelle's background. Press aide in the Clinton administration, press secretary for Mayor Richard M. Daley, vice president of the school board, vice president of government and public relations at the University of Chicago, hospitals, uh, president of her own consulting firm, and she was spokeswoman for Chicago Parking Meters LLC, if I got the name right, the parking meter company. So that is her background. Look at all of that power and impressiveness. Uh, I'm not sure. To me, that doesn't read that impressive. That just means you're one of those people that is always Next around the, the power. You're a patronage person. All right. So who? I was going to ask you, you kind of corrected me, but um, in the beginning when we talked about it. But so the city council doesn't have a role in appointing park district board members. Is that correct? So how? So when Lavelle gets on the board under Ron, and when I think it's 2013, um, how does she get on the board? Is it Rom tells the board put her on? Is that basically oh, what we think so happened? Yeah, the, the mayor appoints people to that board. Um, in fact, Mayor Lightfoot appointed two people, I think it was back in September. And they came before the city council special events and parks committee. It's something like that, the name. But um, and I'm not on the committee, but I showed up and I wanted to ask them, you know, what they what their positions were on um, on these issues. And, you know, they they took the position that, well, we, we aren't part of the board. We don't know what it is, but we should tackle these issues immediately. Um, so they do they do go through a, a quick uh, confirm, confirmation process. But after that, they choose who the president of the board is. And then the president of the board makes that communication um, with the, uh, the park district superintendent. So there's, it's, it's more of a, uh, what do you call it, perfunctory, you know, just show up in front of the committee and make a few comments and then you're done. Um, I don't think anybody's ever challenged the appointment of a board member to the park district before. So it's just one little piece of, uh, or one little step within this whole process that they have to show up in front of us. Yeah, I mean, first of all, I rip the media all the time on their crime and justice reporting. Damalopoulos knocked it out of the park. He usually does. When he's going to get on something and he spent time on it for sure, you know it's going to be great. Yeah. Um, this thing just, every time I look at it and I'm trying to talk on other shows, I'm trying to get Dan on the show, I'm just so um, disgusted. And this reads to me, and I want to get your feeling on this. Is this 
is this just another story of Chicago, typical Chicago patronage, covering up for each other? Is that what this is? Is this like what we would have expected in the 80s and 90s? Like the political class all being tied together, all these people? That's what Avis Novella is. She's a political class person. I think that's uh, a large part of what it was. I think it really was because she, you know, the way she kind of talked to me about it um, was, you know, as if I didn't know anything about it. Um, you know, this is the way government works. And I told her in response that she said, you know, we just, we just work in crisis mode. Um, this is just how it is. And I said, that's not how it has to be. That's how you've operated. You know, I'm thinking, this is how you've operated for 30 years. The connections, the appointments, the, you know, the constant put this person in charge of this so that we can, um, you know, continue to do things, that, uh, keep it like it was, you know, uh, as Justin Kaufman would say, keep it like it was um, through uh, Alderman Ed Buss, you know, who kind of targets that stuff, the Justin Kaufman, the comedian. But um, it is something, I know you and I have tried to tackle this before. I think 10 years ago it was, we were on, you created that task force on anti- uh, violence, domestic anti-violence, and trying to work with the uh, state's attorney at that point to get data and the police department. And you and I, from what I recall, you and the group that you created, the Battered Women's Network, a lot, NAMI, a lot of these organizations were told, you know, we got it under control. We know what we're doing. Walk away. And I still recall trying to work with you on that. And my whole sense at that time was, this is just... Um, the way things are in Chicago, that we we kind of control this narrative at the top. We've got all these people that we appoint to these positions and you just go away, we'll deal with it. In this case, um, the same thing happened. It's the organization working with minors, working with vulnerable populations, instead of being um, carefully chosen, expertly trained to spot all this grooming and other predatory behavior, uh, they are allowed to continue to do the, that type of behavior and this type of um, sustain this toxic, abusive, assaulting uh, behavior. And, and um, it's throughout the park district. I am sure that it was not just in aquatics and pools. I'm sure it's in, you know, we know that it was in the water department. We know that it was at the police department, the fire department. And it just, it's something that goes back decades that we can't fix it overnight. But that's what we're trying to do. We can't fix it till we get leaders who are going to come in and just say we we want to operate in a different, a real different manner. Yeah. Right. And and you know, aldermen were there weren't there weren't aldermen who wanted to go out on the limb with me. I mean, Alderman Smith, she to her credit, she came out pretty early, and I I I think there were statements that I was making that I think she was like, "Are you sure about this?" And I. You know, yeah, based on my sense and what Dan's reporting, and uh, to be honest, I, I was, we haven't touched on it yet, but Nathan Kipp, the Deputy Inspector General, who was directly retaliated against for um, speaking out on this subject, because remember, a lot of this information was starting to eke out in the Inspector General reports. Uh, Nathan Kipp was the deputy inspector general, he was trying to dig stuff up and he was being sidelined. And when he came out and spoke on it, he was immediately 
uh, can by the Inspector General, Elaine Little, who had her own controversy and scandal tied to Avis Lavelle. So this whole thing was just, even, even the one guy who was trying to come out and say, we've got a serious problem here that we've uncovered, and he's doing his investigation as he should, um, he gets hamstrung and fired. Um, and at that point, I realized we need to be looking, you know, I went to the mayor. Um, I think she realized what was going on. I think um, we talked to other people, you know, like what, what should we do? Should we go to the state's attorney? Should we go to the Illinois attorney general? Should we go to the U.S. attorney, um, OIG Ferguson? We were trying to go through a checklist of people like who in God's name can help us here because these women, the abuse continues. And unless we get somebody with investigative powers to put a stop to it, um, we're on our own. And this is, this is just, and we've talked about it a little bit earlier, but this is just a, a byproduct of a criminal justice system that is focused on pursuing and prosecuting smaller things and leaving more systemic white collar problems and decisions out of the criminal code, like retaliating against that, de that deputy and public uh, deputy inspector general there. That to me, felony, not reporting yeah. that message for six weeks, felony, not acting on it for two years, felony. And maybe what we need to add on to this is every time there's someone else was abused, there was previous abuse and every new abuse is an added felony that you're, you're going to eat. You're going to be part of because you're partially as the leader of those organizations and in power, you have a responsibility and you failed it. And you're now, you're going to have to take, you're going to have to take the weight because God knows how many women um, and young girls were assaulted over the time of their inaction. Well, and again, that goes back to what I was saying. Like we, we know for a fact that at least three or four individuals are, should be arrested. And, and that's what I brought up with uh, Mike Kelly and Avis LaBelle. I said, you know, you had an opportunity to fire several of these people based on what I read in the inspector general's report, which is limited in scope, you know, you're, the public version of it, you're not gonna get the whole picture. And I looked and I said, why didn't you fire these people who are abusing these girls? and um, either sexually abusing them, as we found out later, raping them. Um, they, they just said, well, you know, we would have if we could have, but our attorney, you know, our attorney said, there's nothing there. And I look and I go, well, you know, your sexual harassment policy is weak and we still need to change that. We have not corrected course on that. There were several people who told me that work in that HR field that uh, it's a very weak sexual harassment policy, that their HR manual is very weak. And so even those people in those departments were enabling the top officials, but also several people kind of um, filtering throughout the whole park district to continue to do what they do. And let's put this guy over here. Let's go, you know, let's go stick him in a corner where he'll be quiet for a while. And um and continue the cover up. And that's what I find, I find really appalling is that instead of firing people, um, not just suspending them or acting like you're suspending them, but outright firing so that they never show up again at another park district anywhere in the United States or anywhere near children that they can groom and abuse and destroy their lives. 
I mean, you, the more you read about this and the shuffling of people and the cover-up, it just, it reminds me a little bit, not to pick on a religion, but it reminds me a little bit of the Catholic church scandals. That's not much different. Not much different yeah. at all, except it's a smaller microcosm, you know, a smaller place that you can hide them. Um, so, you know, in, in reality here, yes, we've done, a, uh, I think, a good job of pushing a couple people out, getting some people fired. I mean, there were some other managers that were fired that, um, that helped cover this up, but um, they tried to come in with other attorneys and, you know, create uh, new offices and make it look like they were doing a lot of stuff when in reality it was a continued cover-up. Uh, Rosa Ascarino, who worked for the city at the business affairs office, is now the superintendent on an interim basis. We need to find a new superintendent who will come in, clean out the system, including, I believe, the lawyers, the HR people who were the enablers, go deep into the system, find out who has any kind of toxic uh, environment, because we know they haven't fired other um, lifeguards who were committing all these acts. Where are those guys? Which department did they go to in the city? Where, what other park districts are they working at? And this all needs to get out there and we need uh, a very thorough investigation by the state's attorney, maybe even up to the federal level so that we put a stop to the abusers and the enablers who are still out there and they could be in the dozens or more. Going back 10, 20, 30 years, people need to know who they are. And just like you said, the Catholic Church, you know, once in a while you get a report of one of these guys showing up on the radar in some small suburb, you know, that came out of Boston or Chicago, or maybe they're out in LA and they've continued to abuse children and abuse women or young men. And that's the same thing we could have here if we don't go after this and eradicate the poison that these people are. And it's gotta be done soon. We need a Patrick Fitzgerald special prosecutor investigation into ripping open the park district with subpoena power and with a grand jury and yeah. just rip that sucker open because I'm not even sure, everyone has their different opinions of Kim Fox. I'm not sure if she has the resources or the or the stamina to do what actually needs to be done. I think you start sticking people on a federal grand jury um, um, about what they know and what they knew and where they got this and what subpoena power and we can get somewhere. Um, yeah. Without that, I'm really scared we're gonna be back here 10 years from now with more of those predators just doing the same thing. I agree. And, and that's what really bothers me. I mean, I've got children in the park district um, you know, that play there during the summer, use the pools. And we knew there were a lot of problems with the, uh, the management of those, some of those lifeguards and the supervisors. But um, I, I also have to say, there are a lot of great people working at the park district who've been sidelined. Um, women who were trying to call it out, who were filing reports, those reports were you know, basically shit canned um, because they knew if those reports got out in any other form that it would start to expose what the problems were. So there are great people working at the park district. We need to enable them if they are feeling like it to um, be leaders and to get out there and eradicate this, these people, um, you know, and it's gonna really be up to the new superintendent, whoever that is, and we have to hold their feet to the fire too. All right, Ollie Walkins back. Thank you so much for taking the time. I really appreciate it. You're welcome. I hope you have a great holidays. You too, brother, you too. Once again, I would like to thank 
30-second award all the way in Scott Wog is packed for jumping on the pod with us. We really appreciate it. So what are the main takeaways from our discussion? Old school politics, it's still at play in Chicago and at the you know, independent sister agencies. Female leadership, it didn't believe the women and girls. What good is diversity if you're going to get the same actions a guy would take? Right, you, we need more women in leadership. They'll protect the women. They'll respond to them differently. If they're going to respond the same, why do we need women in leadership? One would have thought Avis Lavelle would have responded differently. What else do we learn? Clout trumps sexual assault and rape. Yes, it does. It still does in the 2019, 20, and 21. We're not in the 80s. We're not in the 50s, ladies and gentlemen. We're in 2021, and it's still happening. Lastly. No city agencies are free from the grips of political corruption, so they never are really truly independent. Unless, of course, it, it's time for politicians to take responsibility for ignoring rape. Then it's, oh, they're independent. Wait, I want this person on the board. They're not so independent. You're under me. Oh, wait a minute. You've done bad. You've condoned rape, sexual assault, sexual harassment rampant for years. You're completely independent. God, it's the Chicago two-step for sure. All right, just a quick reminder, keep an eye out for our special episode with Catherine Large, dropping on Monday, January 17th. We'll be back with our regularly scheduled pods next Wednesday with Alderman, uh, 15th Ward Alderman Raymond Lopez discussing, discussing crime and violence in Chicago and some of his takes on it. One last quick reminder, if you want to get involved in our transparency and accountability work, go to cjpnation.org for more information. Our next day of action is coming up and is scheduled for Friday, January 21st. Go to cjpnation.org. There's forms there for you to fill out really quickly. We will get you involved or hit us up at cjpnation or cjpjustproj, P-R-O-J, on Twitter, and we will get you hooked up. Thank you all. We'll be back with you on Monday with the special uh, Catherine Large interview.